his car toppled, building and tired, just crushed and crumbled. I'm not sure if it's safe to report from my vantage point. I I really need to leave. So the fences informed me that the surrounding areas are, are in ruin. I I see some people running now. In the opinion of this reporter, if this nation or in fact the world ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now. Exciting episode of the Fire and Water Podcast, the official podcast of AquamanShrine.net and FirestormFan.com. I'm one of your hosts, the Ernie Mobile Shag from Firestorm Fan. Along with me, as always, is my co-host, the affordable Rob Kelly from Aquaman Shrine. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, and uh, I, you know, in these hard economic times, it, it helps to have a podcaster who is, you know, polybagged three for ninety nine cents, and I'm your guy. <laughs> You are quite the value. I am. Speaking of values, we have brought with us today a very, very special guest, ladies and gentlemen. Please uh, give it up for the inexpensive Professor Alan Middleton. Yay! Yay! (laughs) After after sending so much feedback, I'm glad to be here on this side of the show. Well, you collected enough stamps, and you mailed them in with your proof of purchase <laughs> and uh, sent your check, which was fairly large, just telling you people at home, you finally got on the show, so congratulations. Now, for those of you who don't know Alan Middleton, shame, shame, shame on you. Alan comes to us from the relatively geeky network of podcasts, which includes the Quarterbin Podcast, Showbo- uh, Shortbox Showcase, and he's also a reoccurring uh, pers- person, member of the Book Guys, which uh, he's been kind enough or mistaken enough to invite both Rob and I to appear on. So thank you for joining us here today in, in, in uh, so honor. When they say payback is hell, this is what they mean? <laughs> so I've had you on, oh, I see. Okay. It's more like paying your dues. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, before we get rolling here with Alan, uh, let's go ahead and do, I uh, thank our sponsor, In Stock Trades. Folks, um, Fire and Water Podcast is sponsored in part by InStockTrades.com. InStockTrades is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 45% off, with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. Rob, what you got? Uh, I have a graphic novel called March, Book One, and it is written by Congressman John Lewis from Georgia. Uh, It is a true-life account of his early days. It says – I'll give you a brief uh, description here. It says, March is a vivid firsthand account of John Lewis's lifelong struggle for civil and human rights. 
meditating in the modern age on the distance traveled since the days of Jim Crow and segregation. Rooted in Lewis's personal story, it also reflects on the highs and lows of the broader civil rights movement. Uh, I got this out of the library, and it is really, really a beautiful book. Uh, it's drawn by Nate Powell, who does a superb job on the artwork. And it is, it is uh, Congressman Lewis's story about his uh, struggles with civil rights in the 60s and everything that he went through. And uh, it's obviously, he says it's book one, so there will be, there'll be more volumes. But this first book does, del- does tell a complete story. Uh, you know, very, very uh, important story. This guy's lived an amazing life. Uh, I think it works for adults, but it also works well for teenagers that maybe have an interest in history and are comics fans. It's it's a great example of the comics journalism. It's from Top Shelf. It's black and white, 128 pages. The normal price is $14.95. In Suck Trades is, has it 30% off for only $10.47. It's a really, really nice book, March, book one. Wow, you, you make my selection seem really like shallow and nerdy. <laughs> that was uh, my goal. <laughs> goal achieved, uh, folks. Well, I'm I'm promoting a couple of superhero books. Um, <laughs> Achievement unlocked. Yeah, <laughs> uh, folks. Okay, uh, setting Rob's very worthwhile contribution um, for escapism. Come see mine. Uh, Showcase presents the Atom. Volume 1 and Volume 2, we're talking about Ray Palmer's classic Silver Age adventures, folks. We're talking Gardner Fox, Gil Kane, Murphy Anderson, Sid Green, more Gil Kane, and more Gil Kane. You know, this this is great stuff. We're looking at it. It covers his showcase appearances. Uh, the first one covers the first 17 issues of The Atom. The second one j- picks up the rest of The Atom series and then takes over on The Atom and Hawkman. So each one of these books bumpers in at 528 pages. Mm. Black and white, normally retails for $16.99. You can get both of them 42% off, so you can get both at $9.85 a piece. Less than 20 bucks, you're going to get over 1,000 pages of Ray Palmer chocolatey goodness. So, I mean, I'm telling you, this is great. So, folks, uh, again, thanks to our sponsor, In Stock Trades. Uh, Shaq? Shaq? Yes. Yes, Alan? Um, I've got an In Stock Trade. Seriously? A guest my, that finally comes prepared? <laughs> my, my... My mama, my, my mama always told me to be a good house guest. Well, you can suck it, Bailey. Go for it, Alan. <laughs> Is I I just hope that's the title of the episode. Uh, anyway, <laughs> that's every episode. It's a working <laughs> title on all of them. So this is the uh, trade paperback of Warlord: The Saga. Oh. Travis Morgan crashes in the primitive world of Scarparist at the hollow center of Earth and must learn to live by the sword. In this title, collecting Warlord 1 through 6, this is the 2009 series, written by Mike Grell, of course, with art by Joe Prado. Mm, very nice. And Chad, and Chad Harden. Uh, list price, seventeen ninety nine with your special fire and water discount. <laughs> $10.43. That's a 42% savings. I am all about the savings. That's true. That is very true. And the and all about the Mike Grell, no less. Is <laughs> Shakira is in that well. series? Uh, it's, I'm looking at the cover, and I, I'm not sure it is, but we may have a chance to talk about Shakira later in the show. Okay. There's always room to talk about Shakira. Yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> all right, folks. Well, that's great, Alan. Thank you for your contribution, folks. Those are all at InStockTrades.com, your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 45% off with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, Alan, 
Um, you have come to become, you know, world-renowned, internationally famous, man of mystery and um, um, cheapness. Uh, so tell us a little more about the Quarterbin. For those who don't know, because they're fools, uh, tell, the, tell us about the Quarterbin podcast in the Relatively Geeky Network. Well, thank you. Yes, the Relatively Geeky Network, uh, such as it is, is made up of me and my daughter, Emily, who graduated from college last year and as part of her job search, somehow decided to start a podcast. I'm sure those things were connected somehow. <laughs> I'm not sure the way 20-somethings think, but um, we ended up starting the Relatively Geeky uh, Network, which is at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com. And it's it's one uh, website, it's one iTunes feed and RSS, but at this point there are three separate shows on it, which I think as you fine gentlemen know, is what all the coolest podcasts are doing. <laughs> so true. It's so chic and, so, and trendy. <laughs> so the, the three shows in the feed are Emily's solo show, Uncovering the Bronze Age, which is a 20-somethings take on actually one of her favorite eras in comics, the 1970s. You know, the start of doing some more socially relevant and more modern storytelling type stuff. So she digs that, talks about that. Together, she and I host Shortbox Showcase, where we usually talk about topics in comics or themes. So we'll talk about sidekicks or reboots or the ages of comics, imaginary stories. We did uh, conventions and cosplay, topics like that. You know, sometimes we do cover a specific run of a book or a trade, of course. We did a crossover recently with um, Bailey, I think his name is Bailey Michaels. Something like that. Something like Mike Bale. I don't remember exactly. Something like that. Uh, he asked. You know, he he just you know, he was needing needing some promotion for some things he was doing. So we let him. He passed cross over with us. That's true too. What well, we covered. <laughs> He's yelling at his Zonophone right now. <laughs> you assholes! That's a great but, uh, Mike Bailey impression. <laughs> like, wait a minute, did he join? I don't understand. There's four people on this episode. We covered recently with him the the twelve issue mini that John Ostrander wrote in the late nineties, the Kents, and that was a real blast. Uh, so that joint show, Short Box Showcase, is actually probably the network's flagship uh, show. Uh, my solo show on the network is the Quarterbin Podcast, where in each episode of Get This Guys, about twenty five minutes. <laughs> wow. It just got frigid in here. <laughs> and, and, and function follows her. form. <laughs> On that show, I cover a book that I literally paid no more than 25 cents, 25 cents for mostly, but not always from about 1985 to 1995 is where the bulk of those books come from. And, uh, you know, one of the reasons is that, you know, cheap comic books are my favorite kind of comic books. <laughs> and, you know, and, and the nice thing is at, at 25 cents, it's much more easy to be satisfied with a read. <laughs> at so $2.99, at $3.99, the standards are a little bit higher for what I expect. So, And, and the fun thing is in, in that show, we've, I've done about 30 episodes or so, and I've read a couple of clunkers. Along the way, sure, but um, like I say in the, in the promo for that show, at twenty-five cents, even bad comics are a bargain, and the good ones are a steal. 
It's very true, even if you're reading Primordials. <laughs> I mean, some are worth 30 cents. <laughs> Maybe. You know, you, you'd covered the, those Adam Strange graphic novel, or it's not really graphic novel, the, the three-issue graphic right. series. And my stepson, just this weekend, it's summer, so he's sort of like trying to find things to do, and he's wandering through my, my comic collections and stuff like that. And he came across my DC Comics year-by-year giant hardcover ah, cr- right. chronicle. And he's going through that, and he got to the 90s, and I'm like, wait a minute. There's that darn Andy Kubert, you know, Adam Strange <laughs> miniseries. That really deserved a shout-out box? So I was quite stunned to find that uh, shouted out in that book. <laughs> well, you know, you know, people are usually, you know, good sports about hearing that you know, I have pretty regular access to – to 25 cent boxes, uh, you know, a couple of times a year. And then there's some people like Shag, but I think (laughs) when I, when I mentioned that I had found 48 page, you know, square bound prestige format book for 25 cents. Yeah. I, I think it, yeah. Well, it's not just that you found a complete story. Like, first of all, it's the beloved prestige format. That I miss so bad. I loved Prestige Format. They just, they felt and smelt different. Anyway, and, but to find a whole run of the friggin' story in a quarter bin, ah, it's not right. It was pretty amazing. I mean, the, the, the whole nature of a quarter bin or, or discount bin is to piss you off when you find issues one, three, and six. <laughs> and you're like, fur, and you gotta spend $28 on the other issues. For some reason, they're expensive. <laughs> And they're on eBay at three three different sellers. Exactly. <laughs> you know, you're not supposed to find a whole run. Anyway. So, uh, well, in the spirit of the Quarter Bin Podcast, we are going to run through. We're going to do, you know, I, I don't know if we're going to call this our own Quarter Bin, but we're going to do our own discount bin, our own affordable comic uh, episode, where each of us are going to run through one issue that we picked up from a discount bin, Tell you know, give you a little bit about the issue, tell you why we enjoyed it or why it's special or why it really sucked or whatever, and then uh, we're just going to have a little free-for-all chat. And uh, we're going to let our guest, because he's so kind about the length, because what we're actually going to do is at 25 minutes, we're just going to disconnect you, by the way, just so you know. <laughs> um, you get a quarter. That's all you get, buddy, 25 minutes. Anyway, so uh, we're going to let our guest go first. So, Mr. Uh, Mr. Professor, why don't you take it away? <laughs> well, thank you, gentlemen. And it's a, it's a story I've told a couple of times over on the Quarterbin podcast, but we moved from Virginia to Ohio in 1999 for the job that literally turned me into Professor Allen. <laughs> and by that time, I was totally out of buying comics, and I'd accumulated you know, nine or ten long boxes worth. And I don't know if you guys know this, but filled up long boxes are kind of heavy, <laughs> and, and moving companies charge by the pound. <laughs> so I put a bunch of my long runs of comics on eBay. So All-Star Squadron sold, ROM sold, long runs of Flash, Green Lantern sold, John Sable sold, Warlord sold, Wonder Woman sold. Now, in the interest of full disclosure, I kept my full 100-issue run of Firestorm. Really? And, um, <clears throat> you know, I never, I never actually, you know, <laughs> owned any issues of Aquaman. <laughs> But so, well, not only did I reduce the cost of the move, I also made some money that contributed to paying for the move. It was a win-win decision. And I slowly got back into reading comics maybe seven or eight years ago now, mostly via the public library's trade paperback collections. 
And one day, again, maybe now three or four years ago, I saw the sign hanging in the comic book store in the town where my campus is. 25-cent comic book sale next week. So it's been 15 years since I've bought any books, but okay, they they sucked me in. So (laughs) for the first time of many times, I went to the quarter bin sale. What the store does there is one week every three months, they pull out, I mean, literally 20 or 25 long boxes worth of cheap books and price them at 25 cents each. And I was listening to From Crisis to Crisis at that point. I guess you got to mention Mike Bailey every six minutes in this episode, I guess. But <laughs> so, and I found a ton of the Superman books that they were covering over there, all of Funeral for a Friend and Reign of the Superman. There was even an Action 700 in there. Oh, my gosh. And then, you know, one sale a few years ago, some ROMs showed up in the cheap bins. Mm. And then some more showed up along with John Sables and then some Warlords. And I started actually getting that collector mentality again, reacquiring parts of my former uh, former collection. And, of course, I mean, the All-Star Squadrons, they've never shown up in the cheap bins or the those Bronze Age Wonder Womans are gone forever. But... Over the last two, you know, I mean, those those are not 25-cent books, so. You're uh, right. They should pay you to take the Bronze Age Wonder Woman away. <laughs> Sorry, Frank. But I've reacquired some of my favorites, you know, that I sold, you know, a, 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 a decade before. And one of them is the book I have today, which is a uh, – I'd like to think of it as a follow-up to Who's Who number 20. Ah. Or, for those of you who speak Roman numerals, XX. <laughs> Very timely. We just, just did that episode a few weeks <laughs> See? ago. See? Because among those books that I recently reacquired for 25 cents was issue 50 of the comic that invites us to enter the lost world of the warlord. Oh. Here it is. A 27-page, book-length, 50th issue epic. So... Here's what we have. Uh, By Fire and Ice, written in pencils by Mike Grell, of course. Inks by Bob Smith. So, brief brief synopsis of what happens here. Tara and Eitan, they meet up with Travis and Shakira, and consequences are exchanged. Let me just say that. In the heart of Castle Demos, a witch is summoned to restore the body of Demos. He's currently just a head. Attached to a hand. It's kind of a hard visual to describe, but it is attention getting. Now, uh, for, uh, for context, this guy, Demos, he's been the main enemy for Warlord ever since his very first appearance. He's available, so this at, is, he's available at Remco, too. <laughs> this is the big bad. Uh, so, in order to get his whole body you know, back, he makes a pact with the evil one. And because evil ones tend to be kind of sneaky when they make deals, he does get his body back, but he does not get his magic-y sorcerer powers. So things do not look good for our main adversary. So our band of heroes approach the castle, the end of a journey. A journey that began long ago, 50 issues ago as a matter of fact, when Morgan mounted his SR-71 spy plane and sent it hurtling into the unknown. Now... The bad guy, Demos, he's used Travis's daughter, Jennifer, as bait 
signal for a trap for the warlord. But, but he, but she's befriended a guard, and he rescues her, and then it is on. Two hundred and forty grains of copper jacketed lead, colliding with Atlantean technology, produces spectacular results. I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I love Mike Grell's writing. <laughs> Just a bit. <laughs> so uh, Demos flees, and Morgan follows, convincing Shakira, the Woo! star of Who's Who number twenty, to stay be- <laughs> to, to stay behind and tend to Jennifer and Tara, but. The warlord promises to be back as soon as Deimos is sent to hell. Which leads us into a seven-page final confrontation in which Travis actually saves Deimos from a wolf attack and drags him into a fire, towards a fire, for an undetermined amount of time just so the bad guy can recover well enough to see Travis's gun in his face. But thinking that might still be a little too merciful, the warlord dispatches his enemy with a single blow from his sword, and then he lets the wolves feed. The end of a 50-issue arc. Wow. And, you know, the story is, is I, I think, really good, and extra pages give Grell, gives Grell a chance to do some you know, poster-worthy art as well. But the key to what makes this book a great value, in addition to wrapping up this big arc, is that this issue also marked the debut of Wikipedia. Now, now, bear with me. <laughs> okay. The letters page of this, of this issue is devoted to giving one to three sentence recaps of each of the prior 49 issues. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it is small print. It is small print. But I don't think I've ever seen anything like that in a comic. No. And there's a bat. And there's a Batman Hostess cupcake ad too. Well, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a win right there. How, would it, how great would it have been if Warlord had done a Hostess ad? Fight, <laughs> <laughs> giving, throwing Hostess pies at dinosaurs or something. <laughs> Uh, the closest thing I could think to a recap like that would be those index books that those like independent companies would put out, like Index to Crisis, Crossovers. Right. I mean, that, that's about the closest I could think of but to what they, you just described. They, they turned over the letter page to that. That's awesome. Yeah. So between that and the end of this really long-form story, definitely, definitely a great bargain in, in for a comic. Now, you, you literally paid 25 cents for this comic? I did. Wow. I've I've been able to reacquire uh, the first about 30 issues of Warlord are pretty tough to find. But I've been able to get most of that run for 25 cents each. I I tell you, the stuff you find in the quarter bin always blows me away. And I don't mean to give another plug, folks, but you really got to listen to Alan's quarter bin podcast. It's, it is my jam. I love his show and I love the books you cover and I love your commentary. So I, thank you. It's a, it's a, it's a who. And just listening to you talk about this in, in, I don't know. I'm just all fanboyish for a moment here. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> let me get back to my question. So at, at Warlord 50, was Mike Rell. Still drawing the book, or he came back? Like, had Dan Jurgens come on the book yet? No, he drew it through 58 or 59, and then left fully around 70 or so. Okay. But you sort of get the feeling in retrospect that this was the story he wanted to tell, sort of ending at this point, pretty much. And, and then he was on it for 
you know, another couple of years. But that's an extraordinary yeah. run for one creator. Now, was he writing it for Dan or not, or someone else uh, took over writing? Uh, he wrote it through seventy or so and drew it through about sixty. Okay, so he was doing the he was doing the pencils. I don't, I don't know if you'd heard. We did an interview with Dan Jurgens a little while back. Mm-hmm. Talked a little mm-hmm. bit about Warlord, and he and apparently Grell had told Dan the secret to drawing Shakira. <laughs> yeah. She's naked, which is great. <laughs> which, I'll be honest, I'd never thought about until that moment. Yeah. Now, I can't not think about that. Exactly. Hey, I, I mean, even when I'm not reading the book. <laughs> about so this is more than a bargain at 25 cents. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Now, well, uh, Alan, I want to say, where do you... Do you go to the same place to get these twenty-five cent books, or do you go to different stores? You go to comic cons. I mean, like, yeah. For the most part, it's it's the LCS uh, in our town, and every three months or so, they pull out the the the, the cheap long boxes, and, and it's obviously that you know in those intervening three months that they have bought other folks' collections. Okay, it really right, is, right, right, and right. It is different stuff that's in there. That's what I was wondering, then, okay, like, whether, whether, whether there's turnover and stuff like that. So. Yeah, there's some. There, there certainly is some. Um, also, we have a half-price books. Ooh. Uh, that chain. That Love does, those chains. Yeah, that has some 50-cent boxes and, and dollar boxes, and sometimes 25-cent boxes. So um, how many how many issues of Deathmate are in that 25-cent bin? <laughs> Uh, probably every one. <laughs> Sovereign Seven, the entire series. Awesome. Hey now, wait a minute. I like that book. <laughs> All right. Uh, um, the, the, the great thing about it is that there have been some pretty good reads in there. I mean, ROM, Micronauts. Oh, I mean, there's some oh they really hit Shank's sweet there. spot with Micronauts. There you go. He, he's done two episodes on Micronauts. <laughs> They're so good. There's, uh, there, there's more to come. Awesome. Now, before our guest gets all uppity and bitches about how long we're recording, Rob, your turn. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you like that segue? Yeah, no way to set the table there. Um, okay, my, uh, my quarter, com- quarter bin comic is not – I didn't actually pay a quarter for it. I paid 33 cents for it. I, I feel yeah. like it was the spirit of a quarter bin podcast. Uh, you know, anyone who's listened to the show has heard me talk many times before about my mountain comics. I talk about it ad nauseum. I did buy comics outside of those trips, but it seems like all my stories revolve around those mountain comics trips. But in this case, what can you do? Uh, there was a um, – outside of the, the our cabin, the only town close was a little podunky thing called Hawley. And it pretty much looked like what it sounds like. It was just one strip. With some stores on both sides, and that was it. That was the whole town. Now, this was in the 70s and 80s when things, you know, there was like nine newsstands in a two-mile radius. So in Hawley, they had a had like a five and ten store, kind of like a Woolworths. I don't know if you, I don't know what the equivalent is because I think Woolworths is like is a local chain. But anyway, they had like a department store there, and um, they sold comics, of course. Now they had a spinner rack with the new comics. But over on the – off to the side, there was a shelf where they sold coverless comics. Ooh. Now, for those of you – for those of you too young to remember what that is, if you ever bought a coverless comic, you shouldn't have because what that meant was that the vendor in question was ripping off the publisher because the way they got money back, their money back for comics that went unsold was you tore off the cover – and you sent it back to the publisher, and that was your credit for an unsold comic. They didn't want you to spend the money to ship the entire book back. 
so the cover counted for it. But what you were supposed to do is when you ripped the cover off was throw the rest of the comic out. But a lot of uh, less than savory news vendors sold them anyway. They sold coverless comics at a discount. So this particular Five of a Dime store put three coverless comics in a bag for 99 cents. And one of the ones that I bought was JLA, Justice League of America, number 179, which is, ironically enough, the issue where Firestorm joins the Justice League. Um, now I, I had not, I must've missed that particular issue of JLA when it came out. Cause then again, this was in the time when I was buying comics off the newsstand. If you missed an issue, it was gone forever. You know, there, I mean, there were comic stores back then, but I didn't know about them. So it's like, to me, if, if I missed an issue, it, that's it, I was gone. So I remember buying justice league one month and all of a sudden Firestorm's a member. I was like, when did this happen? I just somehow must have missed it. Well, this is the issue. And, and, and to be fair, they, you've got to do a lot of explaining to have that make sense. Ooh, wow. <laughs> okay. Ouch. All right. And goodbye, Professor Allen. Yeah. <laughs> Girls, you're both pretty. So anyway, this was the issue. <laughs> so the book is coverless. So the book, the, the copy I had was coverless. Now... This issue was cover dated June 1980, which means it was, was on sale in March of 1980, but this was in August when we went, so this is when I picked it up. So these books had been sitting around for a while. I don't even remember what the other two books were that I got. Right. Huh? We're in, in, in this era, was that, that first page, the page that you saw, was that the era where that was sort of a recreation of the cover? You know, so, Sometimes that, that first page sort of looked like a like no, a, this is the no. splash, or, or or does the story start then? Other well, when did you, when did you first see that sort of iconic? He's in the league. Shut up about it. That cover. cover? I didn't see that cover for years later, uh, because I kept this. I kept the coverless version in my long box along with all my other JLAs for like ten to fifteen years. Because it was like, well, it doesn't have a cover, but it's still a good comic. And then at some point I decided, you know what, I should replace it with one with an actual <laughs> cover, which is dumb. I really wish I had that original copy back, especially since the cover by Jim Starlin is typically – first of all, it's a great example of super dickery because Superman is basically telling <laughs> the Justice League that Firestorm is joining. You've got all those women, weird-looking women. Starlin draws weird-looking women. Plus, they seem to be standing on somebody's driveway. It's some sort of like gray surface. I don't know where it's going on here. I don't know what's going on. So, it, you know, the cover itself is not one of their greatest. So I really should have kept the coverless version. But anyway, this is the issue where Firestorm joins. The splash page – is the classic roll call of the Justice League hereby elects Firestorm to right. membership for life. One of one of my all-time favorite things that JLA used to do. This is the last time they ever did it. I didn't know that was coming, of course. It was the, the first uh, – the, the story is the part one of two is the siren song of the Satin Satan. Oh. Written by <laughs> written by your friend and ours, Jerry Conway. Art by Dick Dillon and Frank McLaughlin. And you know, like I said, I'm not going to break down the, the, the plot too much. Basically, it opens up with this fashion model named Sabrina Sultris, great name, who uh, seems to have some sort of uh, magical uh, vagina powers uh, that she uses as guys. <laughs> and she, she waves. She, she pulls this one guy off the dance floor, this uh, open-shirted, uh, real hep cat kind of guy, 
and he's dancing with this other girl, and all she does is is basically wave her finger at him, and he turns around and follows her off the dance floor, leaving the other woman very perturbed. And you're like, what's going on there? Then we cut over to the Justice League satellite, which is, of course, as you know, 22,300 miles above the city of Metropolis, where they induct Firestorm into the Justice League. And uh, we get to see him get schooled by Batman about all the various stuff that goes on in the Justice League. We get a uh, some rounded corners, which means flashback uh, to his <laughs> to his origin, because of course this is written by Jerry Conway. You've never missed a chance to retell that origin. Uh, the only origin I think I've seen more is Batman featuring his parents getting gunned down. Uh, in terms of how many uh, times I've seen that origin story, we um, <laughs> we see uh, well, well, you know, uh, we watch uh, Green Arrow looking uh, a little upset. That this youngster is in the JLA and doesn't think he's necessarily worthy. We see Red Tornado worry and notice that Green Arrow seems uh, unsettled about this whole news. We have a nice flashback to uh, the creation of the Justice League and a great, great, nice big panel of the entire league except for Hawkgirl. For some reason, Hawkgirl's always left out. I don't understand it. Uh, then finally, back on the rooftop and all the JLAers congratulate Firestorm and they all take off. And Superman leaves Firestorm there by himself, standing on a roof. And as he says, what do I do for an encore? So he then reverts back to his uh, his identities with Ronnie Raymond and Martin Stein. Martin get, He puts Martin off in a cab. Ronnie meets up with his friends, including Cliff Clavin. Oh, no, I meant Cliff Carmichael. And uh, oh. the rest. They, they, go, they go look for their friend Roscoe. And uh, this other woman with this big... Uh, this uh, real uh, hip-looking girl says, well, Roscoe went off, left the dance floor with this other woman. And they're like, one guy says, Roscoe, stop dancing for a girl? Uh, no way, not Roscoe, which seems to suggest something about Roscoe that we maybe we can't get into. <laughs> so anyway, uh, they find out that Roscoe went with the Satin Satan to her penthouse apartment, which no man has ever seemed to come out from. Uh, uh, Ronnie and Martin joined back up as Firestorm. He goes to investigate there waiting for him is the Satin Satan. Also standing there off to the side is Roscoe, who seems to be frozen into some sort of statue. The Satin Satan kisses Firestorm. He starts to lose consciousness just in time. He presses a jailless signal device, setting off the alarm, and that is to be continued. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun, dun. Now, I love this comic. Uh, like I said, I think Firestorm is the last member of the classic Justice League. I love the fact that he was an addition to the JLA. I think it's a great – This is a, I love this comic. I love the fact that it filled in that gap for me story-wise uh, and the fact that I got it for 33 cents was just that much better. You know, I mean, I didn't even pay the full price, which was at the time 50 cents. But I will say my single favorite part of this entire comic is not the story. My single favorite part is the Daily Planet Extra, which <laughs> features a column for Ask the Answer Man, featuring Bob Rosaskis. Oh, I love those. Answering nerds' questions about comics. And this is one of my, <laughs> this is one of my single favorite questions he has ever sent in, with featuring one of my favorite answers. Question. What can I keep my comic books in to keep them in mint condition? Vicki Sue Harrell. Answer. There are plastic bags especially made for comic books, but I would only recommend using them for very valuable books. For the majority of your collection, use standard 11.5 by 13 food storage plastic bags, which are available in any supermarket. You can fit 12 to 15 books snugly if you insert them sideways, then fold over the rest of the bag as a flap. This should keep them in good condition and make them easy to handle. 
even as, even as a child, I was like, what the F are you talking about, Answer Man? I don't <laughs> I want my comics. I have ever heard that before. I don't want my comic to smell like lettuce. No, I think he's just smelling. But then he follows it up with the next question. How much is Action Comics number 52 worth? Answer, 1750 in good condition. Put it in a plastic bag. <laughs> <laughs> At least he's consistent. He right? is. I love that answer. I never did it. I never was even tempted to put my comics in a plastic bag or tinfoil or a letters crisper or anything like that. I always put them in regular bag. <laughs> but just I, I just love that that – that answer was in there, but this is, this was, so in terms of your value, you got a historic moment in the JLA featuring a new member. You got a great flashback to the beginnings of the JLA. You got a great group shot of the, of the entire JLA, including Martian Manhunter, although no Hawk girl and nice artwork by Dick Dillon and Frank McLaughlin, a total steal for 33 cents. I am totally glad that that news vendor was dishonest and decided to rip DC comics off. <laughs> Now, I will be because the first. If you had to pay fifty cents for it, that would have been a ripoff. I saved seventeen cents. <laughs> That's a bargain. Hey, you know, it was, it was a tough time. Jimmy Carter was president. It was it was stagflation. Everything a little bit, every little bit helped. <laughs> now, I will be the first person in line to defend Firestorm, obviously, uh, and I agree with all the merits, the good merits of this book that you brought up. However, I have to say, it's not a good comic. Now, it's still a bargain at 33 oh, cents. Oh, man. But come on. The Satin Satan and Roscoe alone are enough to just drive that comic into the, like, the what the F category. <laughs> like, it's the disco tech they go to and all that. Uh, did, did you even mention Zatanna feeling all like, woe is me, I used to be the newest member, now yeah, I'm not anymore? Yeah, I did not anymore. mention that, yeah. I did, I did <laughs> appreciate that, that she's like, hey, I used to be the new girl in town, and now everybody's exactly. I'm not pretty anymore. You know, or something. Uh, it's um, it's it's not my favorite comic to reread. When I when I do my reread of Firestorm books, I tend to skim those more than really focus on oh, them. Oh man, this is good. I enjoy this one, and it also features one of the ongoing things I've done in the Aquaman Shrine is something called the Battle of the Yellow Glove, where I'm always talking about how Aquaman's glove is always colored yellow for some reason because the colors <laughs> didn't get. This is an example of the Battle of the Yellow Glove. Aquaman only makes two appearances in this comic. One panel. Where Firestorm is flying through the air, yelling "Whoopee!" and there he is. There's Aquaman in the background with the yellow glove, uh, and then he is in the flashback, of course, when they talk about the original Justice Leaguers. But he gets no lines of dialogue. He he really has no presence in this comic other than basically to stand there. And I wonder whether he voted for Firestorm. I wonder if it had to be unanimous. They never got into that. <laughs> I don't think Superman gave him a choice based on the cover, but you wouldn't know That's that. That's true. That is true. Superman was just like, "I'll heat vision all your insides unless you admit Firestorm." <laughs> <laughs> And that was probably Aquaman from Earth 2 on, uh, in the background there. <laughs> quite, quite possibly. Now, <laughs> now, I don't want to get all finance professor on you, but Rob, that 17 cents that you saved in 1980? Equivalent to like $1,000 nowadays. Uh, almost 50 cents, that's okay. right. <laughs> there you go. Well, hey, mm-hmm. now for some reason I have managed to come down with this reputation as like Richie Rich when I was a kid, which I was not. <laughs> I, just, I, like, I didn't ask my parents for much. They you know, they just bought me lots of comics because I think that was only because like, they still didn't have to spend any money on sports equipment. So, I mean, they were saving money in the long run. <laughs> so, I mean, I got, you know, but nevertheless, I appreciated the fact that I got this issue of JLA, which was my all-time favorite series. 
and I got it for less money than I normally would have paid. You know what I mean? It was a great, it was a great deal. I, I wish, I really wish I had those other two comics, and I wish I had the plastic bag that they put them in because, like, <laughs> it would just be fun to go back and look and see what they did because they must have made their own plastic bags. This place, but uh, what would? What would Bob Rosaka say about that? Exactly. Maybe they read the Bob Rosaka's <laughs> article, and that's how they packaged them. Quite possibly. You know, I don't know. The, the rural people are very, uh, very a lot of initiative, you know, as far as I understand. So uh, maybe so. I, I like Bob's suggestion, though, because I'm thinking I might pack some of my miniseries this way. I'm like, you know, this could work. This could work. <laughs> I'm going to put all my issues of Sonic Disruptors in a lunch sack, and they'll stay nice and minty forever. I'm going to put all 12 issues of Quest Probe in one. <laughs> so, so anyway, I never, I didn't pay a quarter for this, but I paid 33 cents. So close, pretty close. All right. All right. Uh, well, I guess I'm up. Okay. So um, my quarter bin, I, I went ahead and did, in, in, in the spirit of quarter bin, except for the actual amount I paid, I tried to go sort of pretty random here. I picked out a book that I got out of a discount bin fairly recently. I had no knowledge of it in advance. I just grabbed it off the stack. I picked up Power of the Atom number five, cover dated December 1988. Cover price is one dollar. I got it out of a dollar bin. So your first, you know, first glance, you're sitting here thinking I paid cover price. However, it was a books a million. That would be Alan's cue to go. Bam! Way to go, Alan. You're really on your ball there. God knows you put it in every Facebook comment. Anyway. Um, <laughs> So I got it. I initially had 10% off because I'm a, a BAM member, and then I had a 20% off coupon. So that means I acquired this comic for an acceptable 28% off cover price. So I see what you did there. You, you like that? You like that? <laughs> this is me fanboying. Anyway, uh, you've got a cover by Dwayne Turner and Kez Wilson. It's written by Roger Stern, penciled by Dwayne Turner, inked by K.S. Wilson, colored by uh, Nancy. Oh that's, oh, that's how you say it. I've never actually pronounced it out loud. Nancy. It's spelled out funny, though. Nancy Houlihan and lettered by Bill Oakley. So at a 10,000-foot at a, at a level, this is, this is the post-crisis attempt to make Adam cool. You know, you, you've got, they did the Superman relaunch. They did the Wonder Woman relaunch. They pretended to do a Batman relaunch. And so now they figured it was Adam's turn. Well, as far as I could tell, they didn't really revamp him all that much. They just told new stories with the Adam. So what you've got here, again, at the 10,000-foot level is it's Ray Palmer trying to cope with his secret identity being made public and suddenly being in the spotlight. So throughout the issue, the press are trying to interview him. They all know he's Ray Palmer. He's written a, apparently a tell-all book, and he, he's having a hard time coping with this fame. And so that's kind of the theme running throughout the story. It starts off with he appears in the office of the, uh, the CIA, and there's a particular agent there that he knows, and they have a discussion, I guess, as near as I can tell in previous issues, because I haven't read them. In previous issues, the agent made an offer for Ray Palmer to join the agency. So Ray, rather than sending an email or a nice letter, has decided to break all of the security past, uh, of the CIA and sneak into this guy's office just to turn him down for the offer. Um, he gives a couple of seconds of conversation. The guy's trying to talk into it, and Ray basically picks up the phone and says, hold this, and leaves. Uh, Ray then follows the phone line to the JLI embassy. So he gets to hang out with uh, a few moments with Oberon and Maxwell Lord, where Maxwell Lord starts to uh, wax Ray Palmer's car, essentially telling him how great he is, even though clearly he doesn't know all that much about Ray. He's misquoting things and stuff. But he's telling Ray how great he is and how all the other JLA members, you know, or JLI members look up to him. He's the heart and soul, and they want he wants him to join the league. And Ray's like, no, no thanks. There's a cute moment there where Ray shrinks down to Oberon's height 
and they have a conversation at eye level with each other, which is kind of adorable. Uh, and then he, he basically, just like he did with the CIA, he shows up and he says, nah, no thanks, and he leaves. In, in between, you get these interstitial scenes with some mysterious guy who's plotting against Ray Palmer. We don't know who that is. We'll find out as we get to the end. So then Ray decides to, uh, after seeing a newscast, decides to go to Florida because he finds out his buddy, um, elongated man, is hanging out down in Florida. So he decides to go down there. And because Ray, I'm sorry, because Ralph has a public identity, Ralph knows how to deal with this kind of stuff. So he decides to pick his brain. So he goes down to Florida, hangs out with um, Ralph and Sue, and asking him how they deal with the fame of being having, having this public identity. They say, tell you what, let's talk about it while we go bust up some smugglers. Because Ralph and Sue lead the most awesome life ever. They're, <laughs> they totally do. They're going, they get on a boat, and they're going to go bust some smugglers. Sue sits in the, in the boat, plays the helpless female, distracting the sailors, going, Yoo-hoo, I'm having trouble with my boat. Meanwhile, Ray and Ralph swim around the side and sneak into this huge cargo ship to bust up the smuggling ring where they are smuggling, yes, that's right, parrots. They are smuggling parrots because Elongated Man, again, is awesome. So they take out the thugs. Uh, Adam's using some new enhanced powers he's picked up. And, you know, of course, you know, they beat the thugs, and, and Elongated Man gets in the news, and Ray decides to step aside and not get into the news where uh, Elongated Man is, is recognized for stopping the thugs. Ray decides he's going to start to try and lay low a little bit and uh, then has one weird panel where he's unhappy someone didn't recognize him, and he realizes he can't have, uh, have it both ways. And in the final bit, we find out who this mysterious shadowy guy who's, who's angry at Ray Palmer. Turns out he receives a package and tries on his new uniform, and it reveals himself to be Kronos, the master of time. You get a nice little uh, balloon at the end that says, whatever you do, don't miss our next issue. And I realize I completely forgot to talk about the cover, which is why I picked this comic. So let me backtrack a little bit. The cover is a great, silly, lovable cover, which is why I decided to read it. It's just Power of the Atom, guest-starring the one, the only, the elongated man. It's got this great shot of Ralph, whose neck is completely corkscrewed, like almost like a telephone cord kind of corkscrew. He's got a expression on his face, holding a handset of a phone. Ray Palmer's flying out of the phone going, person to person for Mr. Ralph Dibney. And Ralph's going, humana, humana, humana. And there's a little little circular uh, shout-out box in the bottom with Maxwell Lord, and it says, and from the pages of the Justice League, and it says Maxwell Lord, he goes, sweetie baby, let's do lunch. I mean, I could not resist this cover. I absolutely had to read it. The only problem with that cover mm-hmm. is at least the, the one I'm looking at has uh, in the bottom left-hand side, it says DC Comics aren't just for kids. <laughs> Wrong cover Except to put that Except that this is not quite the right, yeah. <laughs> this is not the cover to send that message. That's funny. You know, uh, is it worth the, you know, the 72 cents I paid, I think is what I said, because uh, I said I had got 28% off, I think. Hold on, i got to scroll up. Uh, yeah, it just says 72 cents. Absolutely worth 72 cents. Had a blast with it. If I had been reading it back in 1988, I don't know if I would have felt the same way, because it's not an amazing comic. It's not. Uh, in fact, some of the art's not that great, but – and Ray going basically from place to place turning people down for jobs is, is not – all that interesting. However, as a time capsule of seeing Ray Palmer in this era with the, I always loved it when he didn't have the, the full head cowl. I like him with the half head cowl. Seeing 
you know, uh, elongated man, going on an adventure with the elongated man in his purple costume and Sue, seeing Maxwell Lord and Oberon doing the, you know, the administration of the Justice League International. It's a dream come true. It's like, this, having never read this, it's like, this is my period of joy and I'm get to go in it and learn new stuff. It was so, made me so happy. So again, probably not the best back in 88, but today it was an absolute steal at 72 cents. Yeah, you're right about Adam. I don't think he got, well, of course, they tried, well, I don't think he got really cool until they warlorded him up for sort of the Adam. I love that series. Later. Actually, I that is a great series. Actually, it's a few years before this. Oh, well, that's right. That, that, was, that yeah. was the early 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was like 83. Right. right. And in fact, they refer to it a couple times how he came back from South America, and he's kind of like, maybe I should go back to South America. And it's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, you should. Maybe the, your, 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 your comics were better then. <laughs> <laughs> so I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I, I remember at the time thinking that it seemed to me that they were going to eventually bring the Adam into Justice League International because it seemed like that series, the Adam series you're talking about, was was lighter in tone, and it seemed like it was of a piece with the Justice mm-hmm. League series. You know what I mean? But they yeah. they never did, and I, it's, I always was sort of I I loved Adam in the Justice League, you know, and I was always I was always wondering why didn't they bring him in? You know, like I wanted to see him back in there, but at the same time, I love sort of the Adam as well. You know, I, I like kind of both versions. I thought they were both sort of equally right. workable. Right. Yeah, they did a nice nod to Sword of the Atom in a recent New 52 Justice League where they – when they introduced that yes. evil Yeah, the other Atom, Adam, yeah. The the one who eventually came from front out was Crime Syndicate, but they had a whole scene where she was in a video game dressed as like the Sword of the Atom version. Yes. That was kind of a nice <laughs> nod. I like yeah. that. An elongated man in the purple suit. And so, I mean, Ralph and Sue are such a joy to read yeah. about. As one of the best couples in comics, uh, and this is a great period. This is this is actually right before, um, you know, Justice League Europe. So it's before they even flesh their relationship out even more. So it's um, this just great. Makes me so happy. Love this comic. Heck of a bargain. So you know, I, I've got a lot of experience with with not quarter bins, by the way, you bastard. Um, <laughs> I used to manage a comic book shop. And we used to have a large number of 50-cent bins. Right. Now, you could get it down to 33 cents because you, you could buy 15 for $5. But we used to sell so many of those comics. And I used to troll through them all the time. Like on my days off, I would just sit there and troll through the 50-cent bin <laughs> and look for stuff. I'll tell you, there was a comic I almost covered tonight. It was, it was called Savior. It was published back in like 91. I remember that. You do? That was okay. bizarre. That was a bizarre one. It was. It was like 91 or 92. I picked some out of the 57 bin. I was like, whoa. You know, being 19, 20 years old, I thought this was new and cut. Well, it was pretty different and out there. It's cutting edge almost. And I was like, okay. Um, wait, I'm sorry. I take that back. I bought it in 19. I bought them in 1994, even though they had been published in 91, 92. Either way, I, I, I think I got number two or three out of the 57 bin and got it and started reading it. It was published by Trident Comics. Savior, and they only made it up to six issues. But the reason why it's noteworthy uh, is that it's actually Mark Millar's very first published comic book work. In mm. retrospect, that makes sense. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> the, it's a story essentially of there's a superhero, and I, I don't mean to go into it, but I, I just find it fascinating. Is he? There's a superhero who calls himself the Savior, and everyone thinks he's essentially God and come back to Earth. And it turns out he's actually secretly the Antichrist. And he's trying to find God on Earth. And it's all this story of the, the Savior secretly murdering priests and all this stuff. So I was going to cover that because at the time I was really engaged in it. I opened it up today, read through it, and I'm like, there's some really 
horrible, horrible, horrible things that happen to good people in this book. And I'm like, I can't do this in good conscience. I'm moving on. <laughs> Did you guys have any particular really amazing uh, like quarter bin or 50 cent bin finds that you think of when you, when you think about comics? The, the comic shop that I spent a lot of my time in had, uh, I don't know if they were quarter boxes. They were pretty close. And a lot of times there were like old Brave and the Bolds in there. And mm. that really, I grabbed every Brave, I would just flip through it and grab every Brave and the Bold that was in there. Because I knew that I was, A, probably going to like it because it was Brave and the Bold. Odds are it was either A, written by Bob Haney or drawn, by, or drawn by Jim Aparo or both. Uh, either way, the comic was going to be like 20 cents. And you got like, you know, you got Batman and another guest star for 20 cents. You can't beat that. <laughs> I haven't been back to that store in a while. I don't even know if they still have those those boxes. Now I'm kind of tempted to go back there and just buy something out of there just for the hell of it. I would love the, uh, you know, the, 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 the store I go to. I, I, I would love to find some beat-up books. You know, beat-up books from the 70s. Ah, type yeah. of thing at 25. Unfortunately, it's mostly glossy stuff from... Like I said, the mid '80s to the mid '90s, uh, but I would like to find those beat up, you know, cover half torn sort of books that aren't worth anything <laughs> because of their condition. Right. I I, I almost tonight I, I I look through some of the oldest books that I remember ha- you know, owning, mm-hmm. and I've got some really old beat up Supermans from the early '70s at cover prices of twenty five or thirty cents. So they were probably zero to me, but my parents bought them for 30 cents or <laughs> so I, I, I thought about going that direction i've got just a handful from from that era that have tracked with me from from dorm to house to apartment to house and back and forth look pal you and your gerrymanding the rules if it doesn't come out of a discount bin it's not doesn't count all right those prior episodes still count shag no no you broke the rules you set established a set of rules and then you oh forget going random. I'm going to cover a book I want. What? No, you're supposed to be random. So pfft. retcon. Hello, it's a retcon. Your argument is moot. <laughs> Jesse Jackson said so. So I just go. like to ask myself, what would doc? What would the doctor do? Hey, I wear a necklace for that. So some of <laughs> some of my favorites that I used to find in the Fifty Simmons because I used to troll, you know, go through them all the time. Like I remember the old like seventies Joker series would be in there. There'd be uh, all the crazy uh, Jack Kirby stuff from the seventies. Like, you know, Omac would be in there. Commandy was in there. I personally would pick out um, and built most of my collection for New Mutants and Alpha Flight out of the Fifty Cent bin. Oh right, sure. So it's uh, just a lot of a lot of happy memories. I got one one more to share. Uh, Scott Gardner. From the two true freaks and I, we, we've met a couple and hung out a couple times. The very first time we met, we we agreed to meet at a comic book shop. It was almost like a, it was almost like a date or something. I guess you could say it was like we we never met we almost. Well, I mean, we didn't know if we we're going to get along. Oh, thank you. Didn't know if we we're going to get along. <laughs> we probably well. I mean, let's be safe safe ground. You know, let's meet at a comic book shop. So we meet at a comic book shop. We're just hanging out, chit chat, and they had a discount bin. I don't remember what it was. It was probably fifty cents, seventy five cent a dollar, whatever. Probably wasn't a quarter. Bastard. Anyway, so we're going through, and we're pulling out books and just just fun books like you you remember a fun book. You're like, oh, remember this. Anyway, we come across Logan's Run number one, which is awesome, you know, Logan's Run. So we pull out Logan's Run number one. The cover was freaking signed by George Perez. Jeez. (laughs) So (laughs) Scott's like, bought that, getting it. So, uh, in fact, he posted on Facebook recently when we were talking about Logan's Run. So That is an all-time steal. That is a great buy right there. Hell yeah. Yeah, I mean, Alan, you, you've hit on something with your show, uh, with this episode specifically, and then your show in general about, you know, if you pay too much for something, it, it does build up a kind of expectation in your mind. 
that a lot of things aren't necessarily meant to achieve. You know what I mean? Like I, I, right. I, I mean, I, I, this is a little tangential to the point, but I think about that when I was a kid, right? Comic books were, I mean, I started buying comics when they were like a quarter. That's how far back I go. But I mean, generally when I think of like comic books as a kid, I bought them at 40 cents, 50 cents, right? So when I was a kid, comics were around that, you know, around 50 cents, 60 cents. Candy bars were like 50 cents. A, a, candy, a candy bar was like 10 cents less than a comic, right? Now, flash forward a quarter of a century. Comic books now almost are across the board standard price three ninety nine, and how much are candy bars? Like sixty cents, you know. Like in twenty five years, candy bars have not gone up that much because the people that make candy bars know nobody's going to pay three dollars for a Reese's peanut butter cup. You know, you have to keep that cheap, or no one's going to buy it. Now I know that those two things are not analogous because you've got royalties and all these things right. you don't do. but nevertheless it's like i think you need to like people who produce these things you have to recognize that if you're starting if your base price gets out of hand people are going to just not a stop buying it entirely or be very dissatisfied with what they get because yeah a lot, i do i find myself though when i read a comic that if i read super fast and i'm disappointed in i look back and i go wow i just spent 4 dollars on that and I was entertained for 45 seconds. You know, <laughs> and it's like that's just not the same thing as buying a comic that's a quarter and getting, getting crazy Bob Heaney goodness featuring characters that you'll never <laughs> see again. You know, I mean, you've never heard of before. And it, that's what's made some of the, the, the books that I found from the early 80s, those Micronauts and ROMs in, in particular. Because it, I mean, you're talking 25 minutes. Yeah. To read some of that, those those Bill Mantlo books, and it's not because they're dragging; it's because there is so much going on. Mm-hmm. Bill Mantlo was the king. Him and Chris Claremont were the kings of getting lots of uh, stuff <laughs> packed into an issue back then. <laughs> you know, but but there's you know I hate to I hate to give this person credit, but the irredeemable shag once said, <laughs> "I mean that that finding your joy concept." I mean, I go back to that regularly, and there's something about. You know, you can find your joy at a at a in a you know, in a time period or in a title or it, to me, I mean, it really is at that price point because there's <laughs> so little pressure right. for the book to be excellent at four dollars. Like like you know, Rob's saying, it's got to be well above average. You know, bordering on really good to qualify as worth it. You know, but these you know cheap books, discount books, books when we were kids, <laughs> there was not that pressure because. Again, comparatively, you know, inflation has hit everything. But like Rob said, you know, inflation has hit has hit comics uh, uh, particularly hard. It, yeah, it's, it's pretty ridiculous, you know. And, and they're going to have to figure out the digital model a little better soon. The fact that the digital model is keeping pace right. with these pricing and it's just it doesn't it doesn't work. But you're talking about you know, you, you you got a great price point you cover on your show. I love the random nature of it too, because you just don't. You go from one week of Team Stormwatch to Micronauts. I mean, it's you know a world <laughs> of difference there. So the random nature, and, and it's kind of inspired me to want to pick up random stuff too. So when I'm trolling through, bam, or or whatever, I look for random <laughs> bizarre books to pick up just for the sake of getting something different. And uh, it's it, it it's just touches on some neat points in comics history you don't think about often. So yeah. You know, and it, all this talk makes me think this is something maybe we should uh, spearhead. If any, anybody who's out there is listening to this, if you, if your LCS 
has like a quarter box or a discount box, go out and buy something from it. Go, you know, the next time right. you go to the yeah, comic shop, it. support. Go out and pull a book. You don't have to pull something blind. Like reach, just reach in and pull out something because you'll probably come out with some silverfish. But I mean, like reach in <laughs> and you know, like I mean, skin disease of some some kind. horrible skin disease or whatever. But you might end up with a comic signed by George Perez. You don't know. Find something. Reach in and 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 try something. Find something in there that you think will be interesting that you maybe wouldn't give a, a, a shot to if you had to pay full price. And then, yeah. you know what? Go out and read it and let us know. Send us an email and we can make this like a theme. We can make this an ongoing thing. I mean, we're not going to have Alan back on again. There's no way. Oh, but no, we no, can hell, hell, hell no. no that's a, that. Yeah, that, that train has left the station. But Shag and I can follow through uh, in later episodes. And, you know, who knows? Somebody might discover something that you, you know, find is totally amazing that you never would have found otherwise. And, and along the same lines, I mean, I'm not trying to push a to, to push something, but our sponsor, In Stock Trades, we talk about the, like the the phone books, you know, the the showcases, you know, the Adam showcase I just talked about, for example. I think it comes out to something like 37 cents an issue. So you know, tr- find one that's interesting to you and give it a shot. You know, it's 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 a great experiment to try comics you haven't read at a cheap price. And you know, sort of as we're implying, you know, we do. Send messages by how we spend our money, mm. and continuing to buy the three ninety nine books does send a message. And I, you know, as Rob has said, you know, numerous times, you know, when you go buy that particular you know newsstand that sells comics, it doesn't matter. You're going to buy comics from there. Yes, <laughs> because that because that send them. That's absolutely you know that's the that's the way the system works. That does send a message, and this idea of supporting. The cheap bins or supporting the newsstands. It's it's all of a piece. Let's go out there and get your Team America. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, after you after you fill out your US one. And your NFL Super Pro. <laughs> the saga of Crystar, the Crystal Alien. Another good one. <laughs> all right. We could do this all night just trying to top each other by naming random quarter <laughs> bin books. But I think uh, I think we need to wrap it up here. Uh, I'm already getting get, – you guys should see the IM chat. Alan is going on over and over. Like we, once we pass the 25-minute mark, he's just started counting the minutes. <laughs> I mean it's ridiculous. So anyway, folks, uh, Alan, tell everybody where they can find you, please. Relatively Geeky, Relatively Geeky Network on, on iTunes. Search for that or in your favorite podcatcher or at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com. There you go. Check him and Emily out. they got a number of great shows out there. All good stuff. Thank you, gentlemen. Well, thank you for being on the show. Folks, you can find Rob over at AquamanShrine.net. You can also find him on Facebook and Twitter under uh, Aquaman Shrine. You can find me at FirestormFan.com. Under the same handle, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Google+, and Instagram. And by the way, Relatively Geeky needs a Facebook page. Just saying. Mm, yeah, maybe. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. You're you're welcome for that when it happens. They're right. free, which you're keeping with the cheap aesthetic of the Perfect. Show. I like it. <laughs> Just don't pay for the ads. All right. Uh, until next time, folks, uh, fan the flame, ride the wave, and buy cheap comics. <laughs> Torch
we're friends forever. Yeah!